0: Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morning, and my host, as usual, Aiden.
1: How's it, guys? Battling another week of corona as we try to get by and stay stay safe.
0: Yeah, because um, I actually heard there was some, you know, you know rumors floating around about Belgium, probably, um, calling it into the season. Um, Spain are, like, also now thinking of going that same route. But I was just thinking, um, with regards to this whole thing, with, with you know, whether the season should be then, you know, either ruled null and void, or given to whoever the league leaders are. I just, like, I mean, this is now, of course, my take, but I just think, if the league is, almost like on a knife edge, you know, a, a bit the way um, La Liga is going, or, I'm not, I'm not sure, I didn't ever look at the Bundesliga, how that's going. Then I think, Somehow, somehow, something has to be, you know, figured out with that. But for me, with regards to the Premier League, if it's now, if push comes to shove and, and they have to make that, or they're forced to make a decision, then, I mean, with Liverpool's gap over City, uh, I mean, I honestly don't think that's you know, that there's any way City are going to catch up to them. So, I mean, I think there for them, that is where I will, I mean, they'd get my vote to, you know, be worthy champions.
1: Yeah, I think Liverpool do deserve it. You know, as, a, as it's a bit of to swallow, to say, oh, no, let's try to keep them away from the title for another year but you know as as a football fan you know Mm -hmm. you have to be objective and you know they they were the best team probably in Europe you know I think they are the best team in Europe at the moment and I think it would only be fair to hand them the title it's not how they would have wanted to do it but you know with this virus you know what Mm -hmm. what what can what can you actually do I mean it doesn't seem like it's gonna be letting up anytime soon
0: Because, I mean, even the powers that be, even they are not sure. I mean, they're throwing all these dates out, but every time you you see these, um, you know, these uh, expected dates of like when everything commences. And then I think if you throw also, uh, besides that factoring into play, also how long is it going to take to get players in that, right, in that match, uh, you know, uh, that sort of frame of mind.
1: But that being said, you know, what you're going to do. Um, with the Arsenal, I mean not with Arsenal, with the teams that are fighting for top four, do you just hand them top four now? Because it was coming to a point where Arsenal could have maybe caught up. I'm not saying we we should have, yeah. but I mean, you know, it's a bit unfair now. If I didn't, I didn't check the log now, I don't know who's in fourth spot. Is it still Chelsea? I'm
0: not sure, but, but um, like my thing was also, uh, if you think of <laughs> Man United hitting this hot streak and then that this whole thing came about. And now I mean you don't know if they're gonna you know just say now that the league commences again and they took like caught that totally cold after because look since that that, that Bruno Fernandez arrival, they've been like you know, almost like a almost like a different animal. And and I think this period when, when they now got their season kinda disrupted now, it's like you wonder do is that the sort of United form that's gonna come out again or do they get rocked back? And look, Arsenal were also going on quite a decent run, and there were some other teams that were being erratic again, like with with uh, Spurs and them, you know, missing Son and Erican. And but by, by the time uh, the league probably commences again, these two guys will probably be fit again for them.
1: Like I'm just looking at the Premier League log now. Chelsea's in fourth spot, but if that ban stays through for Man City, you know, with having to fall out the Champions League, Man United gets that. Top spot, I mean, the fifth spot, which gives them the Champions League. But if you look at Arsenal, they're five points behind Man United. So, with about nine games remaining, I mean, you can't give United the Champions League spot or Chelsea the Champions League spot. It just doesn't make sense or it will be unfair because the revenue that comes with it, it's more than just a case of, um, you know, adding the spot. Like with, you could say Liverpool deserve champions, but Champions League spots, there's revenue. Transfers get, you know, are in the balance with that because you can sign a top-class star wanting a Champions League, but to get it on this technicality, I don't know, they need to maybe come up with a rule of places from maybe three to six or three to ten play like a kind of playoff in the season starts for the Champions League spot. I don't know how they're going to do that, but, you know, I don't feel that's fair to just hand it to those candidates.
0: I mean, what I also find strange is, um, you know, the, the way the, the loan deals are also going to be totally wonky now. Because if you think we've, we've access, uh, taking on people like Pablo Mari, Cedric Suarez, um, of course, and Ceballos, of course, we have since the start of the season. But I mean, how does that now also pan out? Because mm, I think it's going to also be an a, like administration headache as well.
1: And and you also don't have a you know the option to buy. You don't haven't seen the player really play, so you don't have a real. Do you really have an option to buy? I think it's just unfair. This virus has literally wrecked everything. And then another question on the post: What happens to the relegation battle?
0: Yeah, because I mean this is probably the first time in years that Leeds United actually almost like in pole position to get some sort of uh, promotion. Same goes for West Brom. So I mean, look, you also know that's going to be a lot of a money spinner as well. So how does that, you know, how's that going to work out? Because look at at our villa. I think with with the promotion in the playoff final, they got something like hundred fifty million just for the promotion.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at this log at the moment. Fifteenth place, twenty nine. 16th place, 27, 17th place, 27, 18th place, 27, 19th place, 25 points. There's not a lot of difference there. So you're also going to have to come up with a little playoff there as well for relegation if you want to do it fairly because you can't just tell the team you're relegated now because they still have the room for for catch-up. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be um, in, you know, a relegation zone now or... Um, want to be in, your, um, is it UEFA or the FA's decision? You know, it's going to be a lot of controversy.
0: Yeah, because um, if you think, even extending the Premier League, you're going easily into, you know, the the what would have been probably the new season. And then how are you going to start? Uh, as I said, it's going to be one, like, good luck to whoever's going to do all that sort of uh, thinking and, and, and all these uh, figure out all these permutations.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's going to come down to a case of, you know, you're earning your corn now as those people that's making those decisions now. This is why you employed for moments like this.
0: So let's now just sway our things now somewhat to Arsenal things, you know, since we now don't have really matches or ever to report about. But, I mean, I was just deciding now, short end. like, I was uh, thinking with uh, regards to Having like you know little topics that you and I can sometimes think out or things that have been playing on our mind regarding Arsenal present few like, you know present future of the past squads also and I mean my the thing that's been floating in my mind so far it's been you know Arsenal players that have had the was like true potential ruined by injury and like the two players that, that have like you know come to mind for me is Eduardo because I mean he was like a true Number nine, I think, he's the sort of format he was in, uh, if you look at the, his goals, like not only his goals, but his contribution to uh, uh, like Arsenal as a squad. Because I mean, the, the sort of things that Yemen and Adebayo were pulling off at times in games where they were dismantling even the best of teams, the two of them. And then the other player also, uh, Abu Dhabi, almost like a colossus in but uh, you know, almost like somebody that we always wanted, uh, you know, Vieira, eventually replaced by somebody, somebody roughly in that sort of mould and, and physique. And I mean, he he kind of did it and then, then it came that, that, uh, that afternoon when they played Sunderland away and he got taken out by, I think, the guy's name was Dan Smith or something like that with a, you know, with a very late challenge, I think, it was at the end of the game which almost like smashed his ankle and it's like he never, ever recovered from that injury and same with with regards to Eduardo where his leg got smashed against Birmingham City. And like after that his career just never, you know, got back on on track again.
1: I agree I don't you. the interview and you know the injury of Eduardo was at the pivotal point of the season. It was almost like, you know, that finishing line stretch and before that injury, I don't know how you saw it. I mean, I was still a teenager watching it, but I really thought this could have been Arsenal's title to win. I mean, yeah. they just had beaten Everton, a tough Everton side, 4-1. Eduardo got his first two goals. Then, you know, we went on to play, I think it was West Ham, also or in good form on a New Year's Day, I think. Yeah. And Eduardo, you know, bagged, I think it was a goal there. And then, like you mentioned, they they went to Man City, who just came off, I think, beating United 2-1 at Old Trafford. And we went to go beat Man City 3-1 at the Etihad with Eduardo, I think, bagging one with Adebayo bagging a brace. So like you said, you know, they were fighting, and I think they saw that finish line at the end. And then, as you mentioned now, that leg-breaking tackle, it psychologically, like, mental Arsenal. And I think Arsenal went on like a two or three game throwing run and they just couldn't yeah. pick themselves up from it. So 100%. And Abu Diyabi, for me, like, he, he was very much in fits and starts, you know, showing his potential. And one game that, you know, rings uh, live a lot to me was 2012 2013 Liverpool game, where he absolutely dominated that midfield. And you just think, like you said, you know, had he been fit, had Eduardo, you know, leg break not happened, you know, what could have happened to Arsenal seasons over the years?
0: I mean, I, I just find it like such a shame. And you look at also Abadi you know, he touted as. as uh... You know, if he had his eventual replacement also at the France level as well. Because he was just like, I think, starting to break into that national squad. And then with that injury, everything just got set back, you know, literally years. Then.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's very un, unfortunate when these things happen. But um, yeah. for me, I, I don't know if you finish with that point, but maybe you can go back into it and then maybe answer something I want to raise. Um, yeah. What do you think, possibly was the reason for Arsenal remaining so stagnant in the late 2000s I mean we were very close to the Premier League title on a few occasions but what do you think was Arsenal's stumbling block at the end? Are
0: you talking of at the period where we've already moved to the Emirates? Or yes,
1: yes, sorry, yes, the Emirates Just where we got to the Emirates, let's call it from 2007 season yeah. to possibly call it 2010 2011 season
0: I mean, I think... Uh, look, we touched on it somewhat last week when you brought up the Ars Blog interview with Sisk. you know, with it, with regards to the players and, and, and things like that. You know, we're not of, of whatever calibre that he was now making out to be. But I, I just think Arsenal were, as a club, were let down by certain egos in the squad. And then, of course, I think also by the owner. And, and I think Arsenal we well, almost like left like piggy in the middle, like while well, the sort of things were going on where the the owner is not really pumping in money like he should be into the club, you know, where we can now uh, get this players in, and and also with regards to the owner, it also uh, like like people that fall into that same uh, bubble is also Gazidis and Wenger, because their cautiousness as well was almost like letting us always slip where. Every time we're close to getting somebody, we were like uh, nagging or not nagging, uh, haggling over prices like we had, it's like maybe two or three million out, and then we're not gonna, you know, put our foot down and the new get The teams like Man City, United, Chelsea, and them all who are now coming into the money and that, you know, just putting their foot down and then saying, boom, we got that player because you guys were stalling too much, we got that player. And then, of course, you take that other, other side of things with, with regards to the players, I think, uh, that is where. Yeah, the sort of, you know, remember what you were saying also that of of after defeat, people are talking about going clubbing and and doing this and doing that. That is also sort of ego that you do not need at the club. And I think that that's why those two, almost like uh, poles, were almost like the thing that was causing us, in like just leaving us in the middle. And while we were almost like being in this confused type of state, not knowing whether to push or pull, the rest of the league just continued to move on. And uh, the same goes... goes with, with regards to Wenger, where if you think what he brought to the club from that 95, uh, 96, when he, he was there, it was like, you know, a breath of fresh air to what the modern game was with, you know, what, let's say Fergie's onslaught on the on the league and, and stuff like that. But then, of course, the minute Wenger's, the, the coaching and the, the diet and everything, and that that was, it, it led us, you know, a good five, seven years on and then afterwards, the likes of Pep came and the likes of... even um, like you know, Of course, okay, I do not really rate, say, Mark uses as a coach. But, I mean, he got uh, almost like a director of football that was just pumping in, by, like uh, you know, just picking off players from uh, from us and from, you know, around in the league. And that's what, what made uh, Man City also, you know, top-notch until they went for Pep. But I, I just think we just didn't also move on with the coaching. Like, Wenger was still... You know, doing the old fashioned way, uh, like by, by the like the seventh or eighth year, it became almost like a, a, like a dying type of thing or old fashioned way of coaching. Whereas, you know, that the, the, uh, football took again a next step to another level again. So that's why the way Charles were chopping and changing coaches every time, and you know, they may maybe miss out on a season. And they bring in a new coach, and he brings a whole crop of almost like half a new team, and they go on for a dominating period. And I think that is where. We've also been let down by the club itself. Also, like, you know, not being or being able to cope with the you know money stakes, as well as with Wenger being in that like almost like an old-fashioned way of coaching.
1: Don't you think they could have been a different, you know, look to Arsenal? You know, I'm mean, gonna pose something to you as well. Yeah. Had Fabrica stayed one more season, when he left to Barcelona. Do you think Arsenal could have won the league that season when Robin Van Persie fired that 30 goals and you kept, maybe six Fabregas, and somehow kept Nasri in that season? Do you think Arsenal would have gone to go win, win the title that season and then, uh, like, you know, if, then the, obviously the players would have probably wanted to stay. And then you look at the next season, Van Persie went to Man United and also, you know, fired Man United to the title. You look back, you know, small margins, like, Something yeah. so simple, if they had kept you know, Van Persie and Fabregas just for one season, or oh, sorry, Nasri and Fabregas linking up with a, full, a fully fit Van Persie, you kind of then, you know, maybe let's say you could win the league. Then you roll back another year, you bring Santi Cazola in. You know, maybe Fabregas is happy with this and, you know, he stays another season and you maybe, you know, take uh, too well. And then you know, the following season, Ramsey was firing like crazy. And, like, you know, winning the titles would have kept the vampirity at Arsenal. Would have kept maybe Fabregas a bit longer. And as those small margins that you look back on and you think, you know, had these things happened or Arsenal had rested sooner, we could have been, you know, one more Premier League or two more Premier Leagues in the bag. And yeah. Arsenal would have still been the... oh, Like, uh, we're, not, we're still a world-class team, but we're not up there as we once were.
0: I just think the minute we went to the Emirates... It was like a season or so of, you know, finding our feet kind of there. And and then, of course, you have to take the debt factor in that it also be paid off since we didn't have now, you know, somebody that's going to really carry that sort of uh, weight, you know, with the finances. But I just think that is where Wenger almost like really let slip with that squad in general. Because as you mentioned now, we had a solid midfield. We had a, uh, you know, lethal uh, strike force. Even what we had as wingers at the time, they were, you know, doing the job. But I just think Wenger just started really ignoring the defense, and like from the goalkeeper as well, because if you think we had a period where we had people like Almunia and we had people like Senderos and they and they were making blunder after blunder after blunder, and you, that's why sometimes I get this this as I say, cultures where you think you see this errors say that, that that period of, of Una Emery, that final, uh, say, quarter of him at, at Arsenal, and you saw those sort of errors being played out the same way it was with that period of anger, with that defence that he was... Because it, it, it seemed we always were just patchworking a defence together. It was never a, a team where... It was like everybody is comfortable with each other, like from the left-back right across to the right-back. There were always these little massive flaws, and it was costing us heavily in games.
1: You know, it's, it just comes down to bad management of funds. I mean, you yeah. know, you, you you talk about oh no, you can't spend so much. We don't have the spending power to other sides. But look at Liverpool. How much did they spend on Sadio Mane? About 30 million. Yeah. I know it's a, it's a gamble, but I mean, you pay 30 million for Sadio Mane. And I, I know I probably brought this up before, but 30 million Sadio Mane, I think 36 million Salah. Firmino didn't cost you know, an arm and a leg. But yeah. then eventually they did go arm and a leg for Allison and Van Dijk, which kind of stabilizes the defense. And then you look at the Chelsea side that went 30 million for N'Golo Kanté, and you look at the Arsenal side that at that point had Champions League. Chelsea didn't have Champions League. They got Chelsea paid 30 million for N'Golo Kanté. Arsenal paid 30 million or 35 million for Granit Xhaka. I mean. You know, you can't blame funds on that. I mean, we've paid almost 20 million on Lucas Perez. Another 10 million you could have got inside your money. So it comes down to mismanagement of funds and your, yeah. your guys at the top level not going for the right players.
0: Recruitment sucks. That's why. You, you see, look, why go outside of the league when you can get, like, as you now mentioned with, with Kante? That guy is like a season now, like, he's become now a seasoned uh, Premier League player. He's won the title with Leicester City. So why not go for somebody like that that knows the league, whereas Xhaka was doing these, you know, that they're taking people out off the ball and whatever. And maybe you could get maybe away with it when he was playing at Gladbach. But, I mean, in the Premier League, they're going to pick out every little thing about you. I mean, as much as they let the game flow. But if you're going to do stupid things like that to, to take people out, you're not going to survive.
1: <laughs> um. Like for me, that's the biggest problem. You look at Fergie's sides, you know, on the Premier League. You know, bringing Rio Ferdinand. Where did he come from? Premier League. He strengthened from in. He weakened. I think was it Leeds United, who were kind of a competitor at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, even Wenger in successful days, bringing a Sol Campbell, who knows the Premier League through and through. That's yeah. where your defense is. That's that's your rocks. They know the, Van Dyke bought within the Premier League. All the you know, a at um, Southampton got brought in from within the league. Then you look at. Fergie bringing Van Percy across. You know, F- Fergie's had very good signings because not they weren't always like, you know, oh, a world-class player coming, but it was a guy who knew the Premier League and he could probably put in a shift and give you 10 to 15 goals, where sometimes Arsenal maybe went for the extravagant option overseas and not proven Premier League-wise. Maybe a top player, but not Premier League-proven and struggled severely, and that's why We also sometimes struggle to eat the ground running because our players weren't doing it back in the day compared to the mentally strong Robert Perez, Freddie Leungberg, Thierry Henry. It's like Wenger wanted to go back to that, um, almost that type of style again of bringing those European flair to the Premier League. But the Premier League had evolved where, you know, if you're Premier League ready, you can cope. But if you're not, you're going to struggle for a few seasons. And that's what happened as well, I think, with Arsenal. And it's still happening.
0: I mean, I I just find... The recruitment has been, you know, it's not like we're all are so out of touch with that, with the way the recruitment is done. It's like everything is done at the wrong time. Look, you just mentioned now Van Persie joining uh, United, and he was almost like in his prime when uh, Fergie takes him. You take the likes of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Kolo, Nasri, and they were also in their prime. Okay, Cesc, you always knew that was going to eventually happen with that, you know, going back to his hometown club, but... Then again, we didn't take up that option of the, you know, buying back clause, which he would have probably joined if uh, Wenger wanted him, but Wenger, you know, said, no, it's all right, we'll pass. But the point that I just put across is you take that fact into consideration and then you think of how we're doing things now. We're taking people like, say, David Luiz, who was not at all planned in with 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 the Chelsea team. So you're not weakening them. You take Socrates... Dortmund already were on the verge of wanting to just get rid of him at that time we take him and and it almost like he just walks in as a first team um you take uh, just like just so randomly you take some of the other defenders that we're not talking about not okay Pablo Mar- Marias probably impressed me most but I mean you take Cedric Suarez, he's almost like on the verge of either being injured at, at Southampton. Already, like with one foot out, because I, I don't think they are gonna renew his his uh, contract. So he's a free agent come end of the season, whenever the season does end. And then also, you you look at the rest of the squad. It's like we are not bringing in people like the like, same was with, with Mustafi. He was never really pinned in as as a, a say a stalwart of, of Valencia. So they were very eager to get rid of him. And for us to just throw uh, like thirty five million at, at Valencia for him. Was him, <coughs> excuse me, being quite injury-prone, not injury-prone, like, uh, um, mistake, you know, prone to make mistakes and stuff like that in, in vital games. So our that's saying, our recruitment is very bizarre. and I think that's also where it has left us with a, a defense that looks like what we have right now.
1: Hundred percent, because if you look at you know that that thing you mentioned now with bringing Sisk back at the time. If you had a new process back, you avoid him going to Chelsea. He played a big part of the assists for Chelsea that season, if you can recall. You bring him back to Arsenal. You, you have the option now. You bring Fabrica's back. You have Alexis Sanchez, who's also joined you now, who, who actually had a massive impact that season. Then you add a solid defensive midfielder. Because at that time, Koscielny and Mertesacker were doing relatively okay. You add a solid defensive midfielder where you break the bank as well. And you kind of sitting with, you have the option of either playing a solid defensive midfielder with Fabregas and Ouzel, a solid defensive midfielder with Fabregas and Cazola, or you have the option of playing maybe Seske as a deep-lying midfielder, or Cazola with a proper defensive midfielder, which at the time, Coughlin didn't do too badly when he broke in. So you look at that, they missed out on having a solid team. Can you imagine having Fabregas, Ouzel, possibly even a Ramsey with Alexis Sanchez, um, Giroud, or not even Giroud, Alexis Sanchez, and you, you kind of play almost around Sanchez with that midfielders working around him, running into spaces. You know, you missed a three there because Fabregas, you probably got him also on a cheap, on a 35 million. But like you said, you almost spent 30 million on Mustafi. Does that make sense?
0: And I mean, if you, uh, um, I was just thinking of, of an uh, interview that they had with Patrick Vieira some years back It was, I think, just after he stopped, I think, playing football and he was being interviewed and he was asked, like, you know, you're not playing under Wenger. What was his biggest strength and his biggest weakness? And Vieira just said one word, two words, his ego. And, you know, it it is so true because I think that, isn't like Wenger felt hurt that that Fabricas was like, you know, kind of stabbed him in the back, took that uh, offer to go to Barcelona? or kind of forced his way to to get that move and then I think was like his way on like showing I'll show you now you know if we, when that when, when it didn't now work out in Barcelona and the optional was now there for him to take him back then it's someone like I might need you but I'm not I'm like this is gonna probably show a sign of weakness like in his mind now but I think Arsenal fans would have probably taken him back.
1: Yeah, we would have. I would have forgiven him. You know, I would have definitely forgiven Fabregas to come in and strengthen the squad. You know, no brainer. Instead, he goes to Chelsea and wins two Premier League titles. So,
2: yeah,
0: and I think also like with with regards, to how we we chose the because look, the sort of flag that, that we got from from the like as like from the fan base in that when Arsenal did that whole fire sale, uh, fire uh, that spending spree after that eight two defeat to to united where they brought uh, Murta sucker that uh, Benayoun was brought in on loan um, or or teta teta. Teta. yeah and then you think to yourself you could have actually with that uh, I'm not saying all of them because andre Santos was a fail that park was like a fail um maybe so like Ben was very inconsistent but I mean he, out of all that a person did get the gems, like Mertesacker was a hard worker, and that Arteta always gave his all. And so I mean, you could see the affinity that he still has with the club, even after you know being so long at at, at uh, Everton. And that. but I mean, he still holds Arsenal closer to his heart. But um, I just think, to myself, there they, we are, like as a club missed the trick because from there you could have already built on like you know getting somebody extra to to almost like keep the heat on the likes of Koscielny and Mertesacker because look. At times they did do a decent job together, but sometimes they also needed that sort of competition that you know that can get, get, uh, put a fire under the backs. We have that, that that solid competition amongst like the, even the old defense, but it's all like we were always left short. wherever, if you look at it around the defense, look look how long it took for say someone like Balleran to come to the fore, and because we, we never really replaced uh, somebody like say Lauren after that you know that period, or same with, with Ashley Cole, we never really had a consistent left-back at that, that sort of calibre, because I think that's the sort of players or the level of players we should be looking at that it can think to yourself, okay, we can finally move on from the Ashley Coles. We can finally move on from Lauren and them. But it's like, right now, it's like, you think, because look, I look at Ballard and I don't see him as somebody that's going to be almost like a future right-back that's going to, you know, take us wherever. Because there's a lot of flaws to his game. And I mean, everybody saw so, he can't cross to save his life. I mean, I'm sorry to be harsh about it, but he cannot cross a
1: ball. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, like you mentioned, they, they just haven't replaced the guys that did the job. I mean, right. Ashley Cole, Cal was a good guy, but look at Cal Cleachy, Birmingham, James McFadden, was in the 90th minute, you know, let, let, the, let the ball go out, or like, you know, he, left, he ends up um, not knowing his surroundings and air kicks, you know and he kicks James McFadden instead, penalty 2-2 on the day where Arsenal could have, you know, pushed on to win the title. You look at Almunia, also Birmingham City, Arsenal are in pole position to challenge for the title and he kind of pushes the ball into his own net, you know, with a meaningless shot. So, Arsenal have, have, have like you said, haven't replaced people with proper, you know, still awards in the position and, you know, those individual areas over the years have cost Arsenal as a club many trophies.
0: Because I I still think the the sort of people that we've got, um, you know, like, if you take Gazidis, for me, he was never up to scratch as somebody going to be a director of football. And for me, it's starting to work or play out also where you saw that certain potentials of Raul Sannehi, but I think long-term Arsenal should be also looking for somebody that has a, you know, a more stable grip on transfers and stuff like that. Because I just think the money is being,
1: you know, almost like we're bleeding almost like money away in the in the transfer market. 100%. I mean, you know, Pepe has been good, you know, and he could come to be a world-class player, but at the time, you know, you're spending 72 million on him. Maybe you could have spent it on Zaha, who knows the Premier League and would be surrounded by a stronger team and maybe could produce excellent results, but you spend it on Pepe, you know, he'll he fall very, at the moment, not up there yet with where he's supposed to be and also we could have maybe also use it money on another center back you know top top uh, that, class center back
0: because i was really surprised i mean i don't know if you remember when we did that at the latter po- podcast of the season 20 uh what's it 18 19 and we were saying like you know ambitions for the new season stuff like that and i was honestly thinking we are gonna go big on a center back uh really i, I did not when they said, "Yeah, Pepe, Arsenal's going in for Pepe at seventy-two million. I thought, "What?" I mean, you don't like you want to go into a new season with like a shiny new toy, but you still got the defense that is like a total mess at the back.
1: It's like it's like was buying a Ferrari, but there's no engine in it yet. You just want to have the the Ferrari, but you don't want the engine to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like they say, you know, strikers we new games, but defenses win new titles. And I mean.
0: If you think, uh, like people like say Gary Cahill were offered to the club then two or three years ago, it was Johnny Evans. Okay, I, I must be honest. I mean, I scoffed at that idea. But I mean, when you look at Johnny Evans in a game nowadays when he plays for Leicester, he does organize. I mean, he, like, he does not uh, have the speed because I mean, that's where Soyeon Chu comes again in for Leicester. But I mean, the, the, the keeping the calmness in that defense, showing that solidity and also being like an attacking threat as well when need when need be, when they have to push up like, for corners and it. But, I mean, other than that, I'm thinking so... I mean, even Cahill, when you watch him play certain teams, I mean, yes, he's lost a, hell of a lot of pace, but you can't deny that he still knows how to, you know, organise the defence. He knows how to, you know, a boss a game at the back, especially when they come up against, like, creative players.
1: We should have signed him when he had at Bolton already, you know? But you you, you out on that, and then, you know... Wenger then passed to panic by um, a motorcycle like you said, but instead, you know, a season before that, he probably could have got KL for 5-10 million because he was in his final year of contact. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking,
0: like, where did Andre Santos fit in this team? <laughs> <laughs> to find somebody like that, then, then, I mean, I'm just, like, watching him even play, you think, like, what does he actually bring to the table? Because, he could like burst forward, and then he was even slower than say what we have now. Say with Colosinus. he could not even defend when he came back. He was like gasped already, just running by the halfway line.
1: Mind you, he did do that dancing celebration when he scored <laughs> past Chelsea, and that when he scored that goal. And I uh, think I think he was part of that three-two win on West Brom the last day of the season to get us third spot. <laughs> so I mean, you you look at it that way and say Finger was a genius. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So I think that will be it now for the podcast. Um, I think, as I said, we're probably going to see how we can always put some things together and, and, you know, make something out of this, like what's happening out. Also, like with the current football these days. So I mean, I just wish you guys a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. Hope you guys keep well. Bye.
1: Stay safe and stay healthy, guys.